0: Chapter Two of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume Three, Part One, by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Messenger. Mademoiselle de Montalais was right. The young cavalier was goodly to look upon. He was a young man of from twenty-four to twenty-five years of age, tall and slender, wearing gracefully the picturesque military costume of that period. His large boots contained a foot which Mademoiselle de Montalais might not have disowned if she had been transformed into a man. With one of his delicate but nervous hands, he checked his horse in the middle of the court, and with the other raised his hat, whose long plumes shaded his at once serious and ingenuous countenance. The guards, roused by the steps of the horse, awoke and were on foot in a minute, The young man waited till one of them was close to his saddle-bow, then stooping towards him in a clear, distinct voice, which was perfectly audible at the window where the two girls were concealed. "'A message for his royal highness,' he said. "'Aha!' cried the soldier. "'Officer! A messenger!' But this brave guard knew very well that no officer would appear, seeing that the only one who could have appeared dwelt at the other side of the castle— in an apartment looking into the gardens. So he hastened to add, uh, "'The officer of monsieur is on his rounds, but in his absence, monsieur de Saint-Remy, the maitre d'hôtel, shall be informed.' "'Monsieur de Saint-Remy,' repeated the cavalier, slightly blushing, "'do you know him?' "'Why, yes, but request him, if you please, that my visit be announced to his royal highness as soon as possible.' "'It appears to be pressing,' said the guard, as if speaking to himself, but really in the hope of obtaining an answer. The messenger made an affirmative sign with his head. "'In that case,' said the guard, "'I will go and seek the maitre d'Hotel myself.' The young man, in the meantime, dismounted, and whilst the others were making their remarks upon the fine horse, the cavalier rode, the soldier returned. "'Your pardon, young gentleman, but your name, if you please.' The Vicomte de Bragelonne, on the part of His Highness Monsieur le Prince de Cond. The soldier made a profound bow, and as if the name of the conqueror of Rocroi and Sens had given him wings, he stepped lightly up the steps leading to the antechamber. Monsieur de Bragelonne had not had time to fasten his horse to the iron bars of the perron, when Monsieur de Saint-Remy came running, out of breath, supporting his capacious body with one hand. Whilst with the other, he cut the air as a fisherman cleaves the waves with his oar. Ah, monsieur le vicomte, you at Blois, cried he. Well, that is a wonder. Good day to you. Good day, monsieur Raoul. I offer you a thousand respects, monsieur de Saint-Remy. "'How, Madame de Laval, I mean, how delighted Madame de Saint-Rémy will be to see you. But come in. His Royal Highness is at breakfast. Must he be interrupted? Is the matter serious?' "'Yes, and no, Monsieur de Saint-Rémy. A moment's delay, however, would be disagreeable to His Royal Highness.' "'If that is the case, we will force the consign—' "'Monsieur Le Vicomte, come in, besides.' Monsieur is in an excellent humor to-day, and then you bring news, do you not? Great news, Monsieur de Saint-Rémy. And good, I presume? Excellent. Come quickly, come quickly, then, cried the worthy man, putting his dress to rights as he went along. Raoul followed him, hat in hand, and a little disconcerted at the noise made by his spurs in these immense salons as soon as he had disappeared in the interior of the palace the window of the court was reopened and an animated whispering betrayed the emotion of the two girls they soon appeared to have formed a resolution for one of the two faces disappeared from the window this was the brunette the other remained behind the balcony concealed by the flowers watching attentively through the branches the perron by which monsieur de bragelonne had entered the castle in the meantime the object of so much laudable curiosity continued his route following the steps of the maitre d'hôtel the noise of quick steps an odour of wine and viands a clinking of crystal and plates warned them that they were coming to the end of their course the pages valets and officers assembled in the office which led up to the refectory welcomed the newcomer with a proverbial politeness of the country Some of them were acquainted with Raoul, and all knew that he came from Paris. It might be said that his arrival for a moment suspended their service. In fact, a page, who was pouring out wine for his royal highness, on hearing the jingling of spurs in the next chamber, turned around like a child, without perceiving that he was continuing to pour out, not into the glass, but upon the tablecloth. Madame, who was not so preoccupied as her glorious spouse was, remarked this distraction of the page. "'Well?' exclaimed she. "'Well,' repeated monsieur, "'what is going on, then?' Monsieur de Saint-Remy, who had just introduced his head through the doorway, took advantage of the moment. "'Why am I to be disturbed?' said Gaston, helping himself to a thick slice of one of the largest salmon that had ever ascended the Loire to be captured between Paineboeuf and saint Nazaire. There is a messenger from Paris, oh, but after Monseigneur has breakfasted, will do, there is plenty of time. From Paris? cried the prince, letting his fork fall. A messenger from Paris, you say? And on whose part does this messenger come? On the part of Monsieur le Prince, said the maitre d'hôtel promptly. Everyone knows that the Prince de Conde was so called.' A messenger from Monsieur le Prince," said Gaston, with an inquietude that escaped none of the assistants, and consequently redoubled the general curiosity. Monsieur, perhaps, fancied himself brought back again to the happy times, when the opening of a door gave him an emotion, in which every letter might contain a state secret, in which every message was connected with a dark and complicated intrigue, Perhaps, likewise, that great name of Monsieur le Prince expanded itself beneath the roofs of Blois to the proportions of a phantom! Monsieur pushed away his plate, "Shall I tell the envoy to wait?" asked Monsieur de Saint-Remy, a glance from Madame emboldened Gaston, who replied, "No, no, let him come in at once, on the contrary, apropos, who is he?" "A gentleman of this country; Monsieur le Vicomte de Bragelonne. Ah, very well. Introduce him, Saint-Remy, introduce him. And when he had let fall these words, with his accustomed gravity, Monsieur turned his eyes in a certain manner upon the people of his suite, so that all pages, officers, and equerries quitted the service, knives, and goblets, and made toward the second chamber a retreat as rapid as it was disorderly. This little army had dispersed in two files when Raoul de Bragelonne, preceded by Monsieur de Saint-Rémy, entered the refectory. The short interval of solitude which this retreat had left him permitted Monsieur the time to assume a diplomatic countenance. He did not turn round, but waited till the matre d'hôtel should bring the messenger face to face with him. Raoul stopped even with the lower end of the table, so as to be exactly between Monsieur and Madame, From this place he made a profound bow to monsieur and a very humble one to madame. Then, drawing himself up into military pose, he waited for monsieur to address him. On his part, the prince waited until the doors were hermetically closed. He would not turn round to ascertain the fact, as that would have been derogatory to his dignity. But he listened with all his ears for the noise of the lock, which would promise him at least an appearance of secrecy. The doors being closed, monsieur raised his eyes toward the vicomte and said, "'It appears that you come from Paris, monsieur.' "'This minute, monseigneur.' "'How is the king?' "'His majesty is in perfect health, monseigneur.' "'And my sister-in-law?' "'Her majesty the queen-mother still suffers from the complaint in her chest, but for the last month she has been rather better.' "'Somebody told me you came on the part of Monsieur Le Prince. "'They must have been mistaken, surely.' "'No, Monseigneur. Monsieur Le Prince has charged me to convey this letter to your Royal Highness, "'and I am to wait for an answer to it.' Raoul had been a little annoyed by this cold and cautious reception, and his voice insensibly sank to a lower key. The prince forgot that he was the cause of this apparent mystery, and his fears returned.' He received the letter from the prince de Cond with a haggard look, unsealed it as he would have unsealed a suspicious packet, and in order to read it so that no one should remark the effects of it upon his countenance, he turned round. Madame followed with an anxiety almost equal to that of the prince, every maneuver of her august husband. Raoul, impassable and a little disengaged by the attention of his hosts, looked from his place through the open window at the gardens and the statues which peopled them, "'Well!' cried monsieur all at once, with a cheerful smile. "'Here is an agreeable surprise, "'and a charming letter from monsieur le prince. "'Look, madame!' "'The table was too large to allow the arm of the prince "'to reach the hand of madame. "'Raoul sprang forward to be their intermediary, "'and did it with so good a grace "'as to procure a flattering acknowledgement from the princess. "'You know the contents of this letter, no doubt,' "'said Gaston to Raoul.' Yes, monseigneur, monsieur le prince at first gave me the message verbally, but upon reflection his highness took up his pen." "It is beautiful writing," said Madame, "but I cannot read it." "Will you read it to Madame, Monsieur de Bragelonne?" said the duke. "Yes, read it, if you please, monsieur!" Raoul began to read, Monsieur giving again all his attention, the letter was conceived in these terms: monseigneur the king is about to set out for the frontiers you are aware that the marriage of his majesty is concluded upon the king has done me the honor to appoint me his marechal de logis for this journey and as i knew with what joy his majesty would pass a day at blois i venture to ask your royal highness's permission to mark the house you inhabit as our quarters if however the suddenness of this request should create to your royal highness any embarrassment "'I entreat you to say so by the messenger I send, "'a gentleman of my suite, Monsieur Le Vicomte de Bragelonne. "'My itinerary will depend upon "'your Royal Highness's determination, "'and instead of passing through Blois, "'we shall come through Vendôme and Romorantin. "'I venture to hope that your Royal Highness "'will be pleased with my arrangement, "'it being the expression of my boundless desire "'to make myself agreeable to you.' "'Nothing can be more gracious towards us,' "'said madame,' who had more than once consulted the looks of her husband during the reading of the letter. "'The King, here!' exclaimed she in a rather louder tone than would have been necessary to preserve secrecy. "'Monsieur,' said His Royal Highness in his turn, "'you will offer my thanks to Monsieur de Conde and express to him my gratitude for the honor he has done me.' Raoul bowed. "'On what day will His Majesty arrive?' continued the prince. The king, Monseigneur, will in all probability arrive this evening. But how, then, could he have known my reply, if it had been in the negative? I was desired, Monseigneur, to return in all haste to Beaugency, to give counter-orders to the courier, who was himself to go back immediately with counter-orders to Monsieur le Prince. His majesty is at Orléans, then. Much nearer, Monseigneur, His Majesty must by this time have arrived at Mayonne. Does the court accompany him? Yes, Monseigneur. Apropos, I forgot to ask you after, Monsieur le Cardinal. His eminence appears to enjoy good health, Monseigneur. His nieces accompany him, no doubt. No, Monseigneur, his eminence has ordered the Mademoiselles de Mancini to set out for Bruge. "'They will follow the left bank of the Loire, "'while the court will come by the right.' "'What? "'Mademoiselle Marie de Mancini quit the court in that manner?' "'asked monsieur, his reserve beginning to diminish. "'Mademoiselle Marie de Mancini in particular,' "'replied Raoul discreetly. "'A fugitive smile, an imperceptible vestige "'of his ancient spirit of intrigue, "'shot across the pale face of the prince.' "Thanks, Monsieur de Bragelonne," then said Monsieur, "you would perhaps not be willing to carry monsieur le prince the commission with which I would charge you, and that is, that his messenger has been very agreeable to me, but I will tell him so myself!" Raoul bowed his thanks to Monsieur for the honor he had done him; Monsieur made a sign to Madame, who struck a bell which was placed at her right hand; Monsieur de Saint-Remy entered, and the room was soon filled with people-"Messieurs," said the prince his majesty is about to pay me the honor of passing a day at blois i depend upon the king my nephew not having to repent of the favor he does my house vive le roi cried all the officers of the household with frantic enthusiasm and monsieur de saint Remy louder than the rest gaston hung down his head with evident chagrin he had all his life been obliged to hear or rather to undergo this cry of vive le which passed over him. For a long time, being unaccustomed to hear it, his ear had had rest, and now a younger, more vivacious, and more brilliant royalty rose up before him, like a new and more painful provocation. Madame perfectly understood the sufferings of that timid, gloomy heart. She rose from the table, Monsieur imitated her mechanically, and all the domestics, with a buzzing like that of several beehives, surrounded Raoul for the purpose of questioning him. Madame saw this movement, and called Monsieur de Saint-Rémy. "'This is not the time for gossiping, but working,' said she, with the tone of an angry housekeeper. Monsieur de Saint-Rémy hastened to break the circle formed by the officers round Raoul, so that the latter was able to gain the antechamber. "'Care will be taken of that gentleman, I hope,' added Madame, addressing Monsieur de Saint-Rémy. The worthy man immediately hastened after Raoul.' "'Madame desires refreshments to be offered to you,' said he. "'And there is, besides, a lodging for you in the castle.' "'Thanks, Monsieur de Saint-Remy,' replied Raoul. "'But you know how anxious I must be to pay my duty to Monsieur Le Comte, my father.' "'That is true, that is true. Monsieur Raoul, present him at the same time my humble respects, if you please.' Raoul thus once more got rid of the old gentleman and pursued his way. As he was passing under the porch, leading his horse by the bridle, a soft voice called him from the depths of an obscure path. "'Monsieur Raoul,' said the voice. The young man turned round, surprised, and saw a dark-complexioned girl, who, with a finger on her lip, held out her other hand to him. This young lady was an utter stranger.' End of chapter two, recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.